Alright legends, welcome along to this Game Me Up Body, I am your host, Rodney Stewart, and before we get going into this little chat about Star Trek Picard Season 2, if you would like to get in contact with the show, and uh, give me some feedback on what you think about this, and how I'm doing it, and how I can make it better for you, if at all interested, you can do that at the email, scheme at gmail.com probably the easiest way to get hold of me these audio podcasts is uh i don't know it seems weird to me and the way that you get notifications at times just you know they're all over the place you know i'm uploading the soundcloud but then it's been thrown out to apple and amazon music and spotify even has it now so uh, if people are commenting directly on the episode itself chances are i might not actually get hold of most of the notifications if any at this point but yeah probably the best way to get hold of me is that email once again scheme me up body at gmail.com so we're getting into this episode of picard season two it's an episode called monsters now this is an incredibly dark episode for star trek and it's not like they haven't done this sort of thing in the past but it seems to be just a little bit more on the nose in this series and it was great to see that subject of trauma and you know depression and anxiety all that sort of stuff been brought into a storyline within the show and when it comes to trauma this is a very very good example of uh, it been shown visually instead of you know it's just uh, a lot of shows tend to when this subject comes up talk about it more than anything else but this really does do a great job at showing the both sides of the trauma and we'll get into that as we're talking about the episode but it shows like the two sides of Picard's past essentially in this episode Talon uses her future tech to go into Picard's subconscious mind while he's in this coma to try and wake him up. And she gets to see firsthand what's going on in the man's head. And uh, there's another little side story of Seven and Rafi trying to track down Gerardi and then well, a little bit more of Rios and Teresa in this episode as well, but the main bulk of it is Picard and his psychological state, let's just say. So we open up, and Picard, he's sitting in a chair in his office in Starfleet, he's talking to a psychiatrist, and from the get-go, you know something is slightly off of this scenario because the psychiatrist is in full Starfleet uniform and Picard is wearing the tuxedo that he was wearing when he got hit by the car in the prior episode. So that's the little disconnect there, what Picard is wearing in this scenario. So it's not, you know, straight off the bat, this isn't a flashback. This is going to be, this is something that's going on in his head. And, you know, he's going through like, what appears to be a routine psychological evaluation and the psychiatrist recalls that Picard was humouring him. So we kind of come into this along with Picard and you know, we come into like the middle of a conversation but from Picard's perspective he's also come in in the centre of a conversation as well so he's, he's confused as well and the psychiatrist Again, just from the setup of this scene, you know there's something slightly off with this guy as well, but that becomes very clear by the end of this episode who this psychologist actually is or psychiatrist. Um yeah, Picard uh he said he had a fear of enclosed spaces. Um sorry, the psychiatrist said that Picard said he had a a fear of enclosed spaces and Picard he's like you know he doesn't mean to do his job for him to which the psychiatrist replies uh, that you know, 
naming Picard's fear was indeed not his job. And Picard points out that analysis was his job. Uh, the man who hates enclosed spaces spends his life in the infinite cosmos. Uh, before dismissing it as too obvious. Um, but when a man spends his life on a vessel, his only access to the outside is holographic. So uh, there's a lot of metaphors in this episode. And it's good stuff. I'm going to try and go through it as best I can here and try and cut it down. The setup and what happens in the episode is fairly straightforward other than the metaphors and like the two sides of the same coin sort of a deal but there's a lot happens in there as well it's an easy setup well I don't want to say an easy setup because of the subject matter but what they do in this episode is very ABC there's not much jumping about the different places but they pack a hell of a lot on to the episode um, right, uh, the psychiatrist, he's asking, uh, it concerned or bothered him at all that he was not very interesting. Picard doesn't think that it's his job to be interesting. But the psychiatrist, uh, goes on to ask if they weren't more than their jobs. Uh, the one Picard's case, maybe not. Uh, as his friends even call him Captain and he then asks John Luke, who is John Luke really? Uh, Picard thinks. Uh, he's thinking that the, this line of questioning is just absurd. He's not having any of it. He's, he's very closed off in this here and he's, he's ducking every question thrown at him really. Uh, he's been humoring a psychologist for the past 40 minutes but he... Uh, this guy's just like, you know, this is just routine, and that they'd only been going for 20 minutes. You know, trying to coax Picard more into speaking. Uh, and he suggests that Picard should tell a story. And Picard's like, I wouldn't know where to begin. And the scientist, he hands him this little model of a sun. I want to say it's a model, but, you know, I've read in different places that it was a hologram of a sun that had been floating next to him, but it's like, you know, he's... Uh, he can physically touch it, so maybe this is uh, on a hollow deck where they're having this meeting. As, again, there's just a lot of stuff in this episode that is point blank there, just to kind of throw you off the scent a hell of a lot. Uh, Picard, he tries then, of course, to start a story about a, a queen with fiery red hair, and he kind of trails off a little bit, and they the psychiatrist notes that he was not good at telling stories. Uh, Picard, he's like a, the queen with fiery red hair, and she was a woman, that sort of thing. So it's not a strong point in this, but knowing Picard the way we do, he is actually very good at telling stories. So there's another little thing to throw you off the, the, the sound a little bit, or get you, put you on that uneven kilter. You know, the, the episode is so well written, that knowing this character for who he is, where he came from, what he went through with seven seasons of him and a ton of movies and whatnot. And this is not exactly the Picard we're used to. And that's meant to be the way it is in this episode. Very, very well done. Um, Psychiatrist notes, uh, again, he's not, Picard's not good at telling stories and Picard agrees, but uh, the Queen with the red hair was and his mind starts to conjure up this vision of Shadow Picard and his mother Yvette she's dressed as a queen in this tale and she tells a story to this younger version of John Luke he's dressed as a prince and she's painting these scenes of the story in the windows of the uh the house, like the, the little greenhouse sort of area, out at the back of the house, uh, about a sorcerer who lost his powers when he was about to slay a noble prince, and though the sorcerer would be forgotten, the lesson would not. Uh, there's no better teacher than one's enemy, she tells him at the end of the story. 
uh, Picard's narrating, the older Picard's narrating the story, saying that the Queen was most unusual. She spent most of her time telling tales, but perhaps she knew her time for some was borrowed time. Uh, the Queen holds the young prince, or sorry, she hands the younger version of Picard, this little prince, uh, a paintbrush saying that he was very like his father, and you can see in her face there's uh, there's something there um, expressing himself more with his hands rather than his mouth. The prince protests that he doesn't want to be like his father, but more like his mother, which kind of not freaks her out, but she's there's like a concern in her face when this is said to her. Um, the Queen tells him that, that as a prince he would be expected to lift people up, lead them with inspiring speech. The little kid doesn't think he can do it, but she tells him that he will because she can see the future. And in a way, Picard's narration, he's talking again the older one, this is like cutting between dialogue between the his mother and the younger version of himself and him narrating the whole thing. And uh in a way, she could, like an animal, she could sense danger. Perhaps it was magic, or perhaps it was because she lived in a world where monsters were real. Then the paintings in the window start to come to life like an animation. And they, the queen takes the prince back to the house. They run out through the doors, the glass explodes from it, and you can see the shards coming through the door. And... <clears throat> They run down the hallway and as they reach the basement tunnels under the house, uh, Picard stops in the centre of it and the Queen is pulled away by a monster lurking in the shadows. And this whole scenario taking place inside Picard's subconscious mind. Uh, and we cut to his body on the bed and he's shaking like someone experiencing nightmares. Again, hugely, hugely dark episode for Star Trek. It's unreal. Um, it definitely does, in places, skip into kind of like horror sort of territory in a way, but when it, the way it's filmed and whatnot, it's it's much like uh, you do see monsters at one point or another throughout the episode, and it's kind of, it's kind of like the Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of monsters and whatnot, so... Um, another show that I'm fairly uh, intent on getting reviewed in the, the horror podcast so if you're interested Hellmouth Hotline has another podcast of mine go and check it out we're doing Buffy the Vampires there Angel and then horror movies on a Friday night um, yeah so and we cut then to the this is this all happens before the, the opening music of the episode so we open up in the episode itself, and they're in the the little uh, room that Picard's in, and uh, in this little hospital, and uh, Rafi, she's wondering what's going on inside Picard's mind, but Seven, she's more concerned that Gerati is missing, and they plan to return to La Serena to scan for her comm badge, and, you know, we put a slightly slightly alarming behaviour so they need to find her they don't know what's happened at this point uh, yeah so it's just like the, the singing that she did at the gala and whatnot. just everything was out of character for her and Rios pointing out that, kissed, that she had kissed him uh, which intrigues Rafi but uh, as they go back Rios remains with Picard while uh, Talon is getting set up and uh, he asks her, you know, was she sure this jury, jury rigged mind meld would work? And she's like, not in the slightest. So she uh, is getting ready. She's about to go into Picard's mind. And back at La Serena, Rafi expresses her distaste for the idea of Gerati and Rios getting back together. And you know, it's just, that's going to start happening again. Screw that. That's, that's just bad karma. Um, Seven looks amused, and Rafi clarifies that their relationship was totally different. So there's an aspect to Seven's character in 
this series that was only slightly uh, referenced in season one, close to the end, and now in this episode. Well, a couple of episodes really between these two characters that she's actually and a woman now, and you know a lot of people would say that's not that's not like a seven character that she was going to be with your your first officer of the Voyager back in that series, but you know you. You have to see it for what it is, you know, whenever we last seen Seven, she was just, in the last few episodes of the run of Voyager, she was just getting rid of that emotional inhibitor she had, so, um, you know, anything can happen, so I'm okay with it, um, yeah, so, uh, where are we at, yeah, they're going to look for Gerati using the computer, and, uh, either going through like the, the relationship that they have and what they're seeing for the future and whatnot and you know they're just having a back and forth about their relationship as they're getting into the the computers of La Serena to try and find Gerardi and uh, yeah the ship's controls blank beneath their hands and kicks them out of the system altogether and then it shows like this encryption code uh, completely locking Seven out, but she instantly recognises it as Borg in origin. Of course, if anybody's going to recognise Borg, it's going to be Seven, which meant the Borg Queen had taken control before Gerardi killed her, and if they can't get access to the computer, they would never be able to locate Gerardi, and uh, the ship was their only way home at the end of the day. So, uh, yeah, back at the clinic, Talon, she, or Talon, she attaches a device to Picard's head to allow her access to his mind, and uh, Rios is like, what had she meant about letting Picard take the lead, and how would he help her help him out? And Talon confesses it was a leap of faith, and this was... How she ruled, and she hoped it would make sense once she was inside. Um, she pretty much just sits down next to him, activates the device, and her eyes kind of go like a whitish, like the colours of her eyes kind of disappear into like white. You can just about see them, but they're very, very see through, let's just say. Uh, she wakes up inside Picard's subconscious, and she's in the, the tunnels underneath the. Shadow Picard, and that's like fantasy version of it, and Picard's mind, and it's that's like a, it's like a spooky horror castle sort of a setup whenever she arrives. Um, we cut back to the psychiatrist's office, and Picard senses something isn't right, but says to the psychiatrist that he was fine, and he admits that he didn't think Starfleet employed people to come, and the psychiatrist is, uh. He kind of just sarcastically calls Starfleet, you know, judge and jury of all things. Um, he concedes the human model of psychiatry is a lesser model. But there are those who have built up walls around their wounds that even a betazoid couldn't get through. So um, Picard recognises that implication. And again, this guy mentions that he, he never finished the story that he was telling. So Picard... Uh, says that sometimes a story merely ends of a boy lost in a dungeon. Uh, the last time he seen him, he had been stuck in the middle of this room and his mother got dragged into the shadows by some sort of beast. And uh, the psychiatrist notes that Picard was hopelessly bleak and he's going to recommend that he be relieved of command uh, unless he takes his crew on a suicide mission just to feed something and remarks that there's a thousand ways to die in space, and this seems to, you know, hit Picard where he loves that. Um, uh, psychiatrist urges him to dig deeper, and uh, Picard picks up the story, realising that the boy was not, in fact, alone. This is what he felt. Uh, something wasn't right, and he's like, you know, this seems to be an old story for Picard, but something's different in this telling, and that difference is Talon been in there. Um, we cut back to her, she's explored the dungeons, and 
Picard's subconscious and she's hearing his voice echoing different moments from his life uh, including uh, identifying himself as Locutus of Borg it's, uh, for me these new shows of Star Trek I don't know if I'm just getting to the age now and my hearing is not just as good as it used to be but there's something in the sound mix of a lot of these new episodes where it seems like you know some background noise or some part of the score will drown out some important dialogue so there's little things like that there that's it's meant to be very much in the background and really need to you know pierce in there to hear it but uh it is there and uh she's also hearing growls from the monster in the shadows again going into the horror territory and Helen she's kind of you know how Picard's mind looked uh, she wondered how he, you know he's in this in this coma he's, his mind's going to be all over the place and she's kind of like oh if this is what you like to this I wouldn't like to see you sober more or less um, so thinking that it would be She's thinking that'd be fun uh, if he had been drunk. Uh, Allow the bars. I can't even read my notes here. Um, through the bars, one door, she spots this little prince. Um, I think she kind of figures out straight away that it's the younger John Luke and approaches him, saying that she was there to help someone and asking why he was alone. And he replied that he couldn't leave because his mother had told him to stay put if they were ever separated. Uh, Talon points out that there was he was the only one down there and she offers to help him get unstuck and very good use of words on her part but he insists that he couldn't leave without his mother and that Talon couldn't just find her she would have to save her so he goes on to say that the, the monster has taken my mother and everything in the dungeon was on the monster's side and just then the doors slap shut just like in a horror movie trapping him in the room uh, the prince takes Talon and leads her into the dungeons and Picard's mind shifts back to the psychiatrist's office once again with the psychiatrist telling him the hour long session was up and that he could leave any time to go back to whatever it was he was hiding from and that kind of gives Picard a kick in the ass and he admits he had been warned about Picard's stubbornness. Uh, this annoys Picard to the point where he gets very angry that other people had been telling psychiatrists things about him and begins to realise the situation wasn't real. The psychiatrist, psychiatrist challenges him to say something real and he asks why he thought they were there. Picard finally admits that he's stuck the psychiatrist agrees that they both were Picard becomes agitated demanding to know who the psychiatrist actually is again we'll get to hear more of that before the end of the episode but he replies uh, as a studier of the human condition Picard was a starship captain ethical ethical diplomatic cultured with an affinity for the arts and intellectual thought yet perpetually untethered in the ways of the heart I can relate to that I'm a cut off son of a bitch too um <laughs> so uh yeah Picard asked why they were relevant to the session the psychiatrist replies if the question of his own why do you find it so difficult to be open uh, to let people in um I think it's because of my divorce years ago Honestly, I do. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not Picard, and it's not relevant to this conversation. I'm not lightest. Um, right, where are we? Uh, uh, where are we at? I've lost myself. Uh, yeah. The, the, the psychiatrist goes on to say that Picard held people at arm's length, questions why, and he's asking, perhaps was there a version of himself? that uh, Picard didn't want people to see a darker version and indeed there is uh, we don't just get to see it in this episode but it's highly implied by the end of it and I do think of memory serves like this literally watching the episodes for this review 
is my second time going through the season. So um, there's definitely, when it comes to Picard's mother, there's something darker coming along in the later episodes. Um, yeah, so Picard turns at the sound of the banging on the door, uh, asking what it was, and they, the sky replies that they, they both knew what it was. Uh, the ever-righteous Jean-Luc, something that he likes to hear other people say, because to let him push the truth away for longer, the psychiatrist accuses Picard of being obsessed with virtue, so much so that a story involves good triumphing over evil, and Picard, enraged, shouts at him to stop. Uh, the banging also stops, and he had never said anything of the kind, and the psychiatrist didn't even know how the story ended. Um, back inside the dungeons, Talon and the prince continue to flee the monster, hiding as a knight in heavy armour enters. Um, this is like a, a guard of some sort. Uh, the prince whispers that they had to find a way to a white door, which he was never, which was never in the same place. It kept moving, but behind it they could find his mother. And um, as this knight in armour leaves, a cloud of smoke approaches the prince. Followed by laughter as a horned monster grabs the prince by the arm. And behind her, uh, another monster wraps chains around Talon's throat. So, yeah, dark, dark horror stuff. I'm absolutely loving this episode. It's very, very well done. And I'm destroying it entirely for you. But, fantastic. Uh... Back in the real world, uh, Teresa returns to the clinic with the son who's wearing a space helmet. He's carrying around this little rocket ship toy. Uh, she couldn't get a babysitter for him. Uh, they're greeted by Rios and Teresa inquires on Picard's condition. And Rios is like, he's fine. But uh, she tries to get inside the door to check on him. He has to keep her out. And she starts getting angry at him. Uh, you know, coming into my place and acting like you own the joint. Um, nobody locks doors in my clinic and demands the keys. Uh, Rios reluctantly hands them over uh, before telling Teresa to keep an open mind. As she enters the room, she finds Picard twitching on the bed in this nightmare, and Talon seated next to him with these milky kind of eyes. And she's frightened, freaked, not freaked out, but she's she's scared. She just doesn't understand what's going on. And uh, especially with Rios walking towards her like a serial killer, he's just trying to calm her down. But uh, he needs to try and explain the situation without, her, without breaking time, is the words that he uses. Um, Talon begins to convulse as the, the creature inside the cat. Picard's mind as strangling her and saying it was not her journey it's like this thing's come out you shouldn't be here nobody's going to mess you if I kill you more or less so uh, she headbutts him in the dream and the monster drops the chains uh, before turning to the monster and demanding at release of the prince uh, the monster whose face is blurred laughs and replies uh, laughs in reply, sorry. <laughs> um, back in the real world, Picard, he's not responding to the medication that Teresa's trying to give him. Uh, so she's like, we're going to have to take him to a hospital. She's not equipped for what's going on here. Uh, throwing caution right out the window, Rios pulls out his comm badge, calls Rafi in the La Serena, telling her that he needs... Uh, Something for Picard, and they instantly beam over a neural stabilizer. And Teresa sees the the beaming happening, this coming in, in and uh, Rios's hand, and she doesn't know what's going on. Wondering, you know, was this real? And asking who he was, but Rios urges her to focus. Uh, Teresa asks if she is about to kill Picard, but Rios, not a doctor, I don't know. Uh, just gonna have to trust you here. And she takes the device, holds it, holds it next to Picard's head and turns it on. Uh, back of the dream, Telon. Telon? There's a new name for you. Talon asks the prince if he was doing this on purpose. That, you know, he, he doesn't 
wanna be on stock. Uh, the prince thinks it might be might not be different. Uh that it would be like all the other times. And Talon points out that he would never know until he got there. But if he didn't leave now, he could be stuck there forever. And this time he wasn't alone, so she breaks the shackle loose from around the prince's ankle. Now this here is something that pops up later in the episode. Again, as I said earlier on, very, very well visually told story this one. So keep that in mind, the the, the shackle that was around the prince's ankle. Uh, back in reality, Picard stabilised. Rios, he's relieved, and uh, Teresa asks if he's from outer space, and Rios is like, uh, I'm from Chile, uh, I don't work in space, I don't, I'm not from space, but I work there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, back in the dungeon, Talon and the prince find the door back to the house, and she kicks the door open, and then takes his hand as they go in together. Uh, Back in La Serena, Rafi, she's uh, she's relieved that they, at least the replicators are still working so that they get their coffee. And she sets one down for Seven. Seven, she's working on the encryption code and remembering a lot of stuff from uh, while she was in the Borg Collective. So of course she's going to be able to crack this easily enough, given a bit of time. And Seven had fought Girati, had purged all the Borg code from the ship after they crashed. And she checked the security logs to see the last introduction of the Borg code. And the image shows Girati still dressed in the, from the gala, uh, putting her hand down and you know the code from her fingertips into the ship's console. Realised that she had they had to find her immediately. Um, Back in the subconscious mind of Picard, he's, he looks around to see the the office melt away, and he's in his own home now, Shadow Picard, the, the older Picard does this, not the young cub. Um, so Picard is confused to see Talon in there, with this younger version of himself, the prince, and before the banging started, starts again, they, they turn to see a white door and a Starfleet, the Starfleet psychiatrist sitting in front of it. Um, this is where it started to, starts to give you the, the little bit of reality starting to creep in. Uh, the Prince calls a monster. And it's, again, it's trauma. Visual, visualised trauma done very well in this episode. So this, Little Prince, the younger version of Picard, is calling the Starfleet psychiatrist a monster. And Picard accuses the psychiatrist of keeping the Queen locked away this whole time. Uh, the psychiatrist remarks how Picard lived longer than he did, but at least he got to keep his hair. Uh, not a fair trade, is it, son? Picard finally realises who the guy is. The psychiatrist is the image of his father, Maurice. Picard accuses his father of cruelty, of ruining his mother. And the prince, the younger, Jean-Luc, again calls him a monster. And Maurice, he says, am I? Perhaps, but not in the way you think. And he reminds his son that he had fought. He couldn't save his mother from a monster. And tells him to look again. And as he opens the book... In his hands, Picard remembers the tunnels. There's this little book that you see the kid running out with, and it has these little uh, drawings in it, and this little some art that perhaps his mother helped him use. But uh, again, his father, at the end of the episode, tells him to take a look again. And Picard opens the book, and he remembers the tunnels beneath Shadow Picard, and how his father had told him not to go down into them as they were, there were a thousand ways to die down there. So it's, you start to see the reality of Picard's past. It's the same story told from a different perspective. And you're hearing the same lines that was said in the, the Starfleet office, 
that the old Picard was sitting in at the, the beginning of the episode of this psychiatrist, which is his father now. And uh, he recalls a memory from his childhood when his mother told him, take what he loved and head down into the tunnels with her. And this is the other version of the opening sequence we've seen of the monsters in the window starting to come to life and them running and the shards coming through the door and whatnot and the monster taking her away. And... You know, like pulling her into the shadows, more or less. And John Luke had said that he was afraid of the dark, but his mother had replied she she couldn't breathe in the house, told him it was just a game of hide-and-seek. Um, John Luke had dropped the notepad on the floor as he had, run, had to run with his mother down into the tunnels. But when his foot broke through the the wooden floor in the middle of the room and he became stuck while his mother continued to run. Now this is the connection between those, the chain that was put on him earlier on. There wasn't actually a chain in his foot. He actually, his foot went through the floor and he couldn't get his foot back out again. Um, yeah. Uh, it had been, Maurice recalls that it had been hours before he found John Luke down there. Um, would never have known if he hadn't dropped a little notebook. Uh, he knew that Picard's mother suffered from cycles of terrible darkness, which is the way he put it, and irrational exhilaration. And he tried to restrain her. Uh, she's clearly manic at this point in the episode and bring her back into the house. Uh, she had needed help, but she would not accept it. Uh, Maurice had forced, was forced to lock her away for her own safety uh, he turns to the adult John Luke uh, saying that with no light in the white and labyrinth and rain about to come down he never would have made it out of the tunnels his mother however would have kept going on Talon's taking all this in and she realised that there was no monster there was no monster chasing the vet uh, Yvette been Picard's mother there, there was never a monster chasing her but Maurice says there was and always had been but he couldn't save her either not from her own mind and the older John Lucas forced to admit that perhaps he never really knew his father and suddenly the two elder Picards are gone leaving Talon and the young Jean Luc on their own and she kneels down next to him and says that he would do so much with his pain uh, he would eventually save worlds with it. Uh, Jean-Luc removes the key from his short pocket. Uh, he, hearing his mother's pleas from behind the door. Uh, Talon's surprised. He, he pulls out this like skeleton key sort of a thing. And he's walking towards the door. And Talon in that moment realises that there was more to this story. And at that moment, and back in the clinic, Picard regains consciousness. Talon also pops out and the consciousness often. Uh, so it's, again, it's deep, dark stuff as far as uh, the mind goes in this episode. It's childhood trauma, it's, it's anxiety, it's full-on manic depression, you name it, it's all in here. Unreal. So well told. I would highly recommend anybody that doesn't really have much of an understanding of that sort of thing this would probably be a good place to start just to see how they to visually see how the, the human mind can work it's, it's unreal so we're out of the subconscious now that's not to say we don't get to see it again for the end of the series because we do um, outside Picard's room Rios and the kid they're drawn on the wall of chalk and the kid, he's drawn a rocket while Rios has drawn La Serena. And the kid calls Rios a spaceman alien who can make things appear out of thin air. And Rios, he's, you know, I thought you weren't going to let that slip. Um, and he, you know, I'm in fact human, by the way. Uh, Teresa thinks there's someone who has to convince people that should not be allowed to be around her child, but Rios knows that she has good instincts about him. Um, she asked if he knew how often she had been wrong, but he, you know, he, he stresses that 
she wasn't this time. I'm one of the good guys once more. Um, Theresa notes the deep loyalty that Rios has for Picard. And Rios is like, I never had, I didn't know my, my own father. I never had a f- father figure. And I t- intend, well, I tend to seek out father figures. And that Picard was the closest thing that he has as a father at this point. Even if he wasn't really like a son to him. So, uh, Trees is like, it's Picard's loss. And whoever you, whoever you are, <laughs> Rios, uh, Rios ha- asks who she wants him to be. A good guy, is her answer. Rios says that he was a good guy. And if he wasn't, he would become one. Uh, Teresa's not entirely joking, says that if he was laying that she, she had allowed him around her son, she would never, that nobody would find his body. <laughs> so, um, Rios taking a chance, uh, asks the kid if he wants to see something cool, and tells Teresa he wants to show her something. He then beams the three of them onto the last arena. So this is something that Rafi was trying to stop him from doing in the prior episode. But uh, yeah, the two of them are in shock to get there. The kid runs off. He's going to check out the whole ship. And Trees is just, you know, speechless as what she's seeing. So uh, on the streets of LA, Seven and Rafi, they're still trying to locate Girardi. And Seven worried about a Borg Queen being on the loose. And Rafi starts to freak out as in the Borg Queen. But Seven can see she is unsure whether it's Gerardi or with a hint of the Queen. Or perhaps the other way around. Uh, they check the security cameras around the town. They spot Gerardi the previous evening entering a cocktail bar. Uh, Deacons. Uh, so they go to check that out. Uh... That evening, Gerardi hears a live band performing outside. Inside, makes her way under the pool table. Uh, this is all on the security camera. She then approaches the window, shatters it. Her eyes darkening, and Borg nanoprobes visible, moving through her body as the Queen asserts control. Uh, Rafi appraises Picard of the situation of Gerardi, knowing that it was not what I expected to wake up to, but assures him that she and Seven have got it under control. Picard tells her to stay safe, keep him informed as he had softened to attend there for tend to at the clinic first. So Talon enters the room, assuring him that Rennie was fine. This is the the ancestor that they were rescuing in the prior episode and there was no sign of Q or Dr. Sung either, at least for now. But she tells him that he had saved Rennie from being run over by Sung. Uh, Picard thinks that there's moved beyond personal boundaries at this point, or at least he had. Uh, Talon decides to offer something in return, showing that her, her human ears were in fact a disguise and she's actually Romulan, leading Picard to think that she could be indeed an ancestor of Laris. So uh, Talon explains that normally supervisors are tasked to look after their own species, but on occasion, they look after similar looking species and that this technology is useful but it has its limitations so she couldn't reactivate it for another eight hours the technology is hiding her ears <laughs> so uh, she had to pull her hair down over her ears and it's a nice little moment there between the two of them um, uh, she asks him if he was okay and he says that he was but uh, that they were losing time in the mission Rene uh Talon, however, is not so sure, and she wonders that it was part of Q's plan to make Picard relive those memories, and if Picard knows that they're all there, uh, was to the story, Picard thinks it's irrelevant, and what was he trying to fix? But Talon disagrees, not if Q wants you to know what was going on in there, uh, he remembers what his mother said, uh, how there's no better teacher than one's enemy. And he realises he's been letting Q control the lessons and that Q wanted him to 
know himself, but what if the lesson was actually to know you? Uh, Any time they had uh, an encounter in the past, Picard always, you know, any reports that was done, he would have classified Q as unknowable, uh, yet he returned so late in Picard's life. Picard still, and he still fixated in Picard. Uh, Q needs this trial to happen, but while he's fixated in Picard, it's deeply personal and urgent to Q himself. But uh, Talon reckons he wants to summon Q, which is beyond her capability, but Picard knows of someone else. So we get to see Guinan again in this episode. So she has this way of... Uh, contacting the queue as she points out that asking usually involves it sounding like a question uh, she explains that there's a long after a long cold war the Elorians and the queue continuum struck up a truce as Elorians associate uh, associate unity with food and drink they made a truce over a bottle specifically the bottle Gainan now holds in her hands so she opens that there tries to summon Q that doesn't work uh, at that point uh, a guy comes into the bar uh, did I just skip ahead uh, no we've got a little scene here with Rafi and Seven as they continue searching uh, for Gerati uh, how they could track down something that they didn't understand as they arrive at the bar Seven works out that uh, what Gerati was doing breaking the windows was getting a rush of endorphins which is what the queen needs to you know circulate faster circulating her nanoprobes faster to complete her takeover of Gerardi's body and Seven is like we're seeing the birth of a new Borg queen here and if that happens she'll try to assimilate everyone trying to, trying to save the future we may just have damned it now the Borg have came to Earth long before they should have known it ever existed. Um, yeah, they're going to need Picard's help for this. So back at the... Back at Ten Forward Avenue. Genius name for the bar. Uh, considering uh, the bar in the Enterprise D was Ten Forward. So it's the same name carried forward. Um, Kenan cleans up the mess what happened. He tried to use a spell sort of thing to call Q and it didn't work and bottles exploded all over the place um, so they're trying to work it out uh, just as a man enters the bar so they, they're expecting Q but it's not the man's confused saying that the sign said it was open you know, Gain is like what the frig are you doing here get out we're closed I'm the boss I trump the sign sort of thing um, so he's he asks her he insists you know, I'm celebrating just the one and uh, Gainan Agrees. Uh, her instincts tell her that he's the kind of person that would order bourbon when in the fact that he wanted a white wine to cozy up with some boring-ass non-fiction. Um, the man chuckles saying he has... Uh, she has him figured out. Um, she answers that she's been tin bar for a very long time. Leaving the drink as drink, Gainan begins to explain there is no reason that the summoning should not have worked unless something was really wrong. Uh, this guy begins to chatter, you know, saying that, he, that the non-fiction part was wrong, that he enjoyed science fiction and found him s- science itself to be aspirational. Uh, he then pulls out a cell phone from his pocket and plays a video of Picard beaming to that very location. And uh, Gainan tries to chalk it up to a glitchy camera. But the man doesn't seem to be buying it, however, he just... Pulls out his identification as an agent of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. FBI are on it now, guys. Um, then a whole bunch of other FBI, FBI agents enter. Guns out. Uh, Picard drops his comm badge to the floor. And him and Gainan are handcuffed and taken into custody at the end of the episode. Absolutely flipping fantastic episode. So uh I'm loving it. Absolutely loving Star Trek Picard. Um I I've said it a few times on the show. 
it's kind of hard to know where you're going to stand at whenever it comes to new Star Trek because it is quite different from the older shows, the classic shows. And again, thinking back in the next generation, DS9 and Voyager's classic shows now. Um, it's weird saying classic shows whenever you were actually watching them as they were being released. Uh, I think I'm at a stage in my life now where I'm, I'm getting flipping old guys. I am... I've got more years under me now than I like to think of. And I still think of myself as a 25-year-old, which is a long, long time ago. But, um, yeah, it's just weird. And uh, newer Star Trek be a bit of a shock to the system if you're big into the older stuff. But this series here and uh, Strange New Worlds was friggin' epic as well. I can't wait to get on do reviews of that there. But uh, as far as Picard goes, this season here, I had a, don't get me wrong, has its down moments here and there. I wish there was a wee bit more Q on there. Uh, other than that there, flipping fantastic. But this episode here, in particular, Monsters, brilliant, brilliant storytelling. And again, just visually showing trauma, which is... Something I try to do in a short film about, God, probably about 10 years ago now at this point I started writing that. Um, and there's a bit of a backlash to that there, so it's a risky thing to be talking about or doing on a TV show or a movie. But they, they pulled it off nicely here. What we do get to see later on, what happened with Picard, the young Picard and that skeleton key and his mother in the room. Uh, epic, epic episode Right, I have talked long enough About this episode It's actually, this, this podcast is actually Probably going to be longer Than the actual episode at this point But uh, I'm just a science fiction Nerd that loves this stuff Right, that's going to do it guys I will talk to you in the next episode This has been a production of Coins Age Media Thank you so much for listening 